0: Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. Well, hello, everyone. This is Eric Miller. Thank you for joining Revival Cry today. I have a message on my heart I want to share with you. But just before we go there, I just want to remind you that for those of you that are listening to us on Mango Radio, which is every Thursday night, 6.30 p.m. to 7 p.m., and Saturday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 7 a.m., you can also listen to us via podcasts, whether it be on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And, of course, we always have our YouTube channel, Revival Cry with Eric Miller. You could subscribe and share. Let people know about the channel and help us to encourage more people with God's word and what he wants to do in their lives. Praise the Lord. Well, as I said, I have a message I want to share with you today. And it's entitled, The Narrow-Minded Gospel. The narrow Minded gospel. Let me give you a little definition of what it means to be narrow-minded. Well, the dictionary says being narrow-minded is not willing to accept opinions, beliefs, behaviors that are unusual or different from one's own opinion. Webster's dictionary says a narrow-mindedness narrow mindedness is a limited outlook or lacking in tolerance not open minded bigoted prejudice you know nowadays if you're a christian and you say that jesus is the only way the truth and the life that no man gets to the father but through him right that's what jesus said about himself that people could say well you're a bigot you're narrow minded and there's something about the gospel. Gospel means good news that Jesus really wants us to understand. That there is only one way. That there are not many ways to God. There are not many ways to heaven. That, that the Bible is not just open to your own interpretation. We must interpret the scripture by scripture. That means we have to learn the scripture for ourselves. and and fit our ideas and our opinions uh, to be subjected to the wisdom of God, to His Word. We cannot just come up and conclude with certain ideas from the Bible that we accept and others we do not accept. In fact, the Bible, the Word of God, is exactly what we said. It's God's Word to us. It's not my... It's not based on my opinion and what I want to accept and what I feel. If it's truly God's word, then I have to submit my life to it. I have to not allow my opinions or my experiences or my past, my knowledge to disrupt the truth of God's word. Other definitions are uh, what it means to be narrow-minded is the definition of a narrow-minded person is a person with a limited outlook who is unwilling to consider alternative ideas, perspectives, or thoughts. Listen to what Billy Graham once said, the famous evangelist. He said, is it not arrogance or narrow-mindedness? To claim that there is only one way of salvation or that the way we follow is the right way? I think not. After all, do we fault a pilot for being narrow-minded when he follows the instrument panel while landing in a rainstorm? No, we want him to remain narrowly focused. You don't want your pilot dis. Distracted by looking on his phone to see what the latest Facebook post is when he should be looking at his instruments to land a plane. He needs to be focused. He needs to be narrow minded. You see, there's so much in the world today that is coming against this thought that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I think a lot of it has to do because the church at large has you know, given into, you know, universalism, you know, uh, that your truth is not my truth and truth is whatever you want to make it up. No, truth is not what you make it up. If I say that truth is, my truth is different from some of somebody else's truth, then it's just like the example with the pilot. I think I can land a plane based on my own truth. That's foolish. We would never do anything like that. You have to remain focused or you will crash and burn. And that's no pun intended because obviously when people die without Jesus, we know that either heaven or hell awaits them. And I'm not trying to be a a fire and brimstone preacher. I'm just telling the truth. The truth is Jesus made it clear That we have to repent of our sin. We have to take ownership for what we have done and breaking God's commandments. And we say, well I don't know what God's commandment is. Exactly, that's why we need to know his word. And until we know his word, we're going to base truth on how we feel and what we think is right and wrong. We will compare ourselves to others and what they do or what they don't do. And God's not going to judge us according to what our neighbor has done. He's going to judge us based on his word because he's not a man that he should lie. God tells the truth. God makes it clear to us that if we know what his word says and we obey it, then we will live and we will not die and we will declare the wonders of the Lord. But if we choose to believe what our emotions telling us or what somebody else tells us to believe and we don't understand God's word for ourselves or we think that God's word includes other scriptures or other writings. I want to tell you, friend, there is no other truth. There is no other way. There is no other life. Jesus Christ is it. He is God who became fully man and fully God and the period of time that he was a man was so that he can lay his life down for the faults, the sin that you and I have committed and then rise again from the dead so that we can, by faith, put our trust in him and live forever and not be judged according to our sins the way that we deserve to be judged you know believing that Jesus is the truth is a narrow-minded gospel. In Matthew 7, 13-14, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it what is he talking about? He's talking about salvation. He's talking about finding wholeness, abundant life, and finding out what the purpose is that God created you for in this life. It's one way. And if you and I do not find that way, and we agree with what the world says, we agree with what... um, People say, oh, it's okay to to commit lust, to commit adultery, to get involved with homosexuality, lesbianism. It's okay, you know, to watch porn and and all that, you know, because everybody does it. No, friend, not everybody does it. I I got free from that stuff over 25 years ago. And because of that, I'm still free today because I believed a narrow-minded gospel. That there is only one way truth in life. And by surrendering my will to God's will, he changed my heart. And he's progressively renewed my mind and taught me that I don't have to live as a slave to sin anymore. You could be absolutely free. You could be walking in what Jesus called abundant life. You know, a lot of people... They want to pray a prayer and they go to church they maybe get water baptized and go to Sunday school and all that. But they haven't been set free from sin because they haven't been truly obeying the conviction on their heart to repent of sin. It's easy to confess that, God, I need you. I want you because when I die, I'll go to heaven one day. But it's another thing to believe a narrow minded gospel That we become responsible to not live in sin like we did anymore, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we now choose to live a life devoted to the Lord. A life of holiness and purity, being separated unto God so that we can know Him and live for Him. Praise God. Let's read in Luke 13 verses 22 through 29. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door to us. Friend, we cannot come to God on our terms. We have to come to God on His terms. That means we surrender. That means He's the Lord. That we're not in control anymore. That we surrender our will to God's will. And by doing so, responding to the call of salvation, to repentance, that we find this narrow way, this good news And many want to come to God in their own time. I'll get right with God when I'm older. I'll get right with God when I have more money, when I get a family, when I settle down. I want to party. I want to drink. I want to, you know, I want to do drugs. I want to sleep around and all those things. Friend, that is a broad-minded gospel that that is not even truth. That is telling you that you could do it on your terms. But the fact of the matter is none of us know when we're going to die. And we have to surrender the Lord now. If we don't believe the narrow mindedness of the gospel, if we don't have tunnel vision about who Jesus is, if our eyes are not clearly set upon the Lord, then we're going to be focused looking all over the place. You know, I find it hard to drive if I'm looking somewhere else trying to go in a straight line. It's impossible. You can't be looking somewhere else or behind you or above you or to your side talking to somebody and be driving. You'll get in a crash. This is why Jesus is saying the narrow-mindedness of the gospel is you fix your eyes on Him and you continue to look at Him and value Him and, and allow your life to be transformed to become more like Jesus. And by doing so, I'm telling you, narrow-mindedness of the gospel is not as bad as you might think it is. Oh, I'm going to have to surrender all these things. What are you really surrendering, friend? Uh, like drunkenness? Uh, like partying, friend? You really don't even know what it means to party until you get in the kingdom of God. What am I talking about? Celebrating life. Celebrating that you don't have to walk around feeling guilty when you wake up in the morning because you slept with somebody you don't even know. You don't have to wake up in the morning with a headache because you were drunk from the night before. Or this sin, confess sin lifestyle. I look at porn, I don't look at porn. I look at it, I don't look at it. And then you look at men or women as objects. Friend, it's possible to have clean hands and a pure heart. It's possible to have eyes that look on brothers and sisters with wholeness. That you love your neighbor as you love yourself. You don't lust after your neighbor as you lust after yourself. That That's weird. It doesn't even sound right. Why? Because he's a God of love. He's not a God of lust. He's not a God of perversion. He's a God of holiness. And if we keep looking at him, we can live with that same purity and wholeness and truth in our lives. Praise God. Sir, open a door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you, where you who you are, where you come from. Then you'll say, we ate and drank with you. And And you taught in our streets. But he will reply. I don't know you. Or where you come from. Away from me all you evil doers. There will be weeping there. And gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And all the prophets. In the kingdom of God. But you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and west. And north and south. And will take their places at the feast. In the kingdom of God. Look. Heaven is going to be amazing. Dr. Michael Brown once said that when we get to heaven it's going to be a great eye opener and a great mouth closer what is he talking about we might be surprised who's there and then we might be surprised who's not there why because it depends on the narrow-mindedness of the gospel that you and i have It doesn't depend on what church we went to. It doesn't depend on how much money we gave in church. It doesn't depend on how faithful we were to serving and doing good things and and all of that. It depends on, did I seek the Lord while he may be found? Was I call upon his name while he was near? Was I making sure that my life was surrendered to the Lord? Was I not trying to live according to my standards, but to his. You know, the broad-minded gospel says, you know, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. Now, that's absolutely true. But that's the only part of the good news of the gospel they tell you. The narrow-minded gospel says, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. What does that mean? Well, we're going to go to Psalm chapter 19. It's one of my favorite psalms. And we're going to end here in just a little bit. But it opens up with saying in verse one, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth their words to the end of the world in the heavens god has pitched a tent for the sun it is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber like a champion rejoicing to run its course it rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to another nothing is deprived of its warmth So here's the psalmist talking about the greatness of creation, the beauty of it, that the heavens, creation, Romans 8 tells us that all of creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed. What does that mean? It's that after Adam and Eve sinned, the the earth experienced death, that sin leads to death. And so Adam and Eve's sin invited death to this beautiful creation earth. That's why God had to kick Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. And then he shut the doors and had angels with flaming swords guarding the way so they could not come back. It was impossible for them to get back to God on their own terms. And yet, God's saying that in creation, the heavens are so beautiful and they declared to us the glory of God again in Romans 1 it says that the heavens all creation is an indication that there is a God how do you know that there is a God well if you know there you see a building then you know there was a builder creation is our example that there is a God to believe that all this happened by an explosion that just so happen to give all of us our own personalities, our own uh, character, you know, our own desire and gifts and, and, and everyone to have their own identity and fingerprint for, you know, to be the exact amount of oxygen that we need to live here on earth. This is the only planet that we know of, of where there is life living, that it's just far enough away from the sun that if we were closer we would freeze to death we we're farther or, or if we are closer we would uh, burn up if we were farther away we would freeze to death friend you look at all the fish in the sea you look at the birds in the air all the animals the different people around the world the thousands of of different languages and customs and cultures friend it's not an accident that we're here To believe that this all happened by accident takes more faith than to believe that there was a God who created everything. And so the psalmist is saying that creation is saying that there's a God. He's pointing to this incredible God. And then one of my favorite scriptures, verse 7, the psalmist makes this radical turn and he says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Other versions say the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Wait a minute. You were just talking about the greatness of creation, how it all points to God. But all of creation is pointing to God. And as we look to the Lord, we say, how can we know you? And the Lord gives us his law. Why did God give us his law? Isn't it enough to just say Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life? No. It's not. Is it true? Yes, it's true. But it's like saying, here's a building without a foundation. You cannot have just the New Testament without the Old Testament. You need a foundation to the building in order for the building to stand upon it. There would be no New Testament. There would be no Messiah, Jesus, if there were not the law and the prophets. The purpose of God's law is to point out what sin is to us. The prophets, the law, all pointed that we needed. A savior. We needed a Messiah. We needed somebody to save us from our sin. This is why Jesus came in the flesh as a man. He came as a, as a baby. He was born of a virgin. He his life was not like your life and mine that mom and dad came together physically and produced uh, children. No, he his seed came from the Holy Spirit that was planted in Mary's womb. It doesn't make Mary equal with Jesus or more important than any of us. Mary was born in the sin just like you and I were. But the seed that was placed in her womb was of the Holy Spirit. So when she gave birth, she was able to give birth to the Messiah, Jesus, the coming one, that everybody, the prophets, had looked for. And who came to fulfill all the requirements of the law and all the words of the prophets. And because of Jesus, he gave his life for you and me. He shed his blood and the scripture says that when his blood dropped to the ground from that cross, that the earthquake, the veil was torn in two that separated man and God. Sin was now paid for. A bridge was built. And the good news is, is that Jesus does love you and has a plan for your life. But without understanding that the law of the Lord is perfect, our souls cannot be converted. If we don't see our need for a Savior, then we think there's going to be a way out of our sin some other way. And this is why it's so popular in the world today that there's a broad-mindedness to approaching God. Because people say there's many ways to get to God. No, friend, there's not. What is God's law? Well, you should not lie. You should not steal. You should not have any other gods before me. No idols, right? And shouldn't commit adultery. Uh, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I mean, there, there's so much there. And those are just the Ten Commandments. Not even all the other law that Israel was obeying. But this is my point. is that none of us are good enough to obey the law. In one of the epistles, I think it's uh, Timothy that says, that if we break one part of the law, we're guilty of breaking all of it. That means that we have all broken God's laws. There's not a law of God that we haven't broken. We've all lied. We've all cheated. We've all stolen. We've all committed adultery, maybe if not physical adultery, lusted in our heart of somebody of the opposite sex or even the same sex. We've all gotten angry and said we hated somebody. Jesus said that's the same as actual murder. The point is is that if we all died without Jesus, the Savior, we would die as adulterers. We would be judged for our sin. But the law of God tells us what is right and what's wrong. And then Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law and the words of the prophets, but I came to fulfill them for you. That means by putting our faith in the Lord, in this narrow-minded gospel, that we can be what the scripture calls born again or born from above. We're not just going back into our mother's womb and being born physically. No, it's a spiritual rebirth. That God changes our hearts. No matter what age we are, we can be saved from our sin. We can be forgiven and our sin washed as far as the east is from the west. And remembered, no more we can actually live holy and pure. Because God's law points to us that we need a Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your great love. Listen, it says this, I'll just read the rest of the scripture, verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. You want to have light in your eyes and not uh, impurity all the time? Friend, I'm telling you, look to Jesus. Look to the blood of Jesus to wash you. You've heard me say many times that many years ago I was full of lust and anger. I I lusted after pornography and and women and all these things. But now God's washed my eyes. And even though I get tempted, uh, like all of you, each and every day, week, that now I have an ability to resist because I responded to the law of God, to the conviction of God by saying, Jesus, I need you to wash me and make me holy and pure. And in that process, he strengthens me and gives me power over sin. So I don't have to be a slave to sin anymore, but I can be a son. You could be a son. You could be a daughter of God. You could be like Job who said, I made a covenant with my eyes and I would not look upon a woman or a man lustfully. You don't have to live bound and slave to sin anymore. Jesus brings freedom. He who the son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Praise God. He can give you radiance to your eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, verse 9, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm. All of them are righteous. What he says lasts forever. As long as you and I walk with him and we don't give up following him and walking in intimacy, reading his word, praying in the spirit, you know, living in communion with other believers in the Lord. Friend, we can't lose. Everybody says they want Jesus because they can go to heaven. But I want to tell you, Jesus wants us to bring heaven to earth. Why? Because he's saying that when you're right with me, you become my ambassador on this earth. You become a citizen of heaven. You could call upon the Lord and he will come and work signs, wonders and miracles and healing and release power and and give us grace to love people and forgive people. Friend, he wants that now, not just when we die. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, he's talking about the precepts, the teaching of the Lord. By them, your servant is warned, and keeping them there's great reward. But who can discern his own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. None of us can discern our own area, our, our own sin. Look, there's there sins of omission and sins of commission. Sins of commission are things that we willingly do that we know are wrong. And then there are sins of omission that we don't realize we do that are wrong. And God is so holy that we can never measure up to his standard without the blood of Jesus. This is why when we're convicted and we put our faith in the Lord, he helps us to be able to obey him whether we know it, or not so that we don't live according to the mastery and enslavement of sin anymore verse 13 and 14 keep your servant from also from willful sins may they not rule over me then i will be blameless innocent of transgression may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight lord my rock and my redeemer oh praise god It's possible, my friend, to live holy. It's possible to live righteous. It's possible that you don't have to live a defeated life anymore as a Christian. You can live victoriously. Listen, why is it important for us to know this narrow-minded gospel? Because that's the message that you and I have to preach. It's an uncomfortable message. Telling people it's time that they have to get right with God. We don't talk down people. We always talk up to people. We always talk to them as a servant. As someone who recognizes where they're coming from and care about them. We don't talk down or over people and rule or lord over them. We always talk to them with a brokenness. Recognizing that had had it not been for the blood of Jesus. And us walking through that narrow gate for ourselves. We wouldn't be able to tell people where to go. I want to tell you, it's possible to share this message and watch other people's lives change. You know, in closing today, I just did a, a show earlier with uh, Bobby and Anna, a story where people have worked with us for many, many years in our feeding program. And they both came out of... Families that didn't know the Lord, you know, alcohol addiction and everything. But now their lives are totally changed. They just renewed their marriage vows. And it's just a blessing to hear what God has done in their lives. So I want to encourage you today, friend. Give yourself over to Jesus. Don't hold back. Fully give yourself over to his purposes in your life. Now believe the narrow-minded gospel and God will be with you and never leave you or forsake you. Listen, God bless you. We love you. Send us in your prayer requests at info at revivalcry.org. And if you would like to support what we're doing, we would greatly appreciate any gift of prayer or financial support that the Lord would have you give. You can give online at our website, www.revivalcry.org. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.